Chapter 30 Richard Long The ride to Toronto would take Luke and Eamon roughly an hour and a half. Little did they know that Chastity Banks was on a plane landing at Hamilton Airport at the very moment Luke was jamming his foot on the gas pedal and blowing by. Eamon rode shotgun with Bosco lying down in the back. Luke had the window rolled up to keep out the autumn chill, and Bosco was sulking, annoyed he was being denied the smells of a new adventure. Richard Long's apartment was a swanky number in the heart of downtown. Next to a series of high-rises, it stood out as being uniquely classic in an area of cutting-edge steel and glass buildings. It was a four-floor building, and as best they could tell, each condo took up an entire floor. Long's unit would be approximately 4,000 square feet by their quick calculations. Not bad, Eamon said as they did a drive-by. Nope was all Luke could manage as he found a parking spot on the side of the road one block down. They sat in their car for a moment, collecting themselves and going over their plan. We need to see if he's home, Luke said. Well, we could call him, Eamon replied. Yeah, right. Maybe we should go in the garage and see if his car's there. Did you pull up his DMV and car title information? Luke asked, a little too frantically. Eamon looked at Luke, who was acting as if he was tweaked over losing an Instagram follower. He kept his eye on Luke as he picked up his phone, opened his phone number spoofing application, and input the caller ID of the local power company. He called Richard Long's phone number, smiling as he pretended to be a power company representative when Richard Long answered the phone. The street light reflected off Eamon's smile. After 30 seconds of chatter about a reported outage, Eamon ended the call and looked back at Luke. He's home in apartment 22, and no, he has not experienced any loss of power this evening, Eamon said, sarcastically. Luke glared at him for a moment. Eamon was right, though. Sometimes he made things a little too complicated. Luke rolled the back windows halfway down and told Bosco to stay. They were at the ambiguous part of their plan. They hadn't nailed down exactly how they were going to get Richard Long to tell them what they wanted to know. Asked politely? Somehow they didn't see that as a viable option given he was such a dick on the phone. Kick his ass? Sure, Luke knew how to fight, a little. He took some judo, boxing, and other shit, but mainly defensive stuff. It really wasn't in his DNA to start an unprovoked fistfight. Maybe Eamon could pull that off but that wasn't a character Luke had played before. Luke certainly wasn't prepared to pull a gun on him and force him to talk. Not that he had a problem with that in theory, but he didn't have a gun and probably wouldn't have been able to bullshit Long into believing he'd use it anyway. Fuck it, Luke thought. Plans always go to shit. Just do what you have to do. Luke put a telescoping blackjack into his pocket and Eamon put a taser into his jeans as they walked toward the apartment. The ground floor was all parking garage, obfuscated by trees and tasteful landscaping with a path leading to a small, well-decorated entry foyer to the apartments at the center of the building. The door key was passkey protected and took Eamon all of 30 seconds to bypass it with a programmable key. Each apartment came with its own elevator, passkey access as well. Within another five minutes, they were standing outside of Richard Long's door in a tastefully decorated marble foyer. Eamon kneeled down to pick the lock, 
but was interrupted when Luke opened the door with a gentle twist of the knob. He looked at Eamon, shrugged, then gave him the finger. From the foyer, they could hear the TV blaring somewhere in the back of the apartment. They walked quietly toward the sound, carefully looking for the presence of others. According to Eamon's research, Richard Long wasn't married, but that didn't mean that there wouldn't be a girlfriend or a boyfriend in the apartment. They found Richard Long in the den, leaning back in a wing chair styled recliner, feet up, sporting a pair of dainty black slippers. Bloody hell, Long said, confused at seeing them. Who the hell are you and why are you in my house? Two questions that anyone would have asked under the circumstances. Easy dick. You and I chatted yesterday on the phone. I'm looking for my brother, Luke said coolly, not breaking eye contact. I told you, I don't know your brother. He's not here for Christ's sakes. Look around for yourself, or better yet, get the hell out of here before I call the police, Long said. Eamon and Luke stepped in closer. You told me Magnus was on vacation. He's not. I know my brother had a meeting scheduled with him two days ago. You lied to me. Now, I'm willing to let that go, but I want to know exactly where he is, and I don't want to hear one more word of bullshit, Luke said. Richard Long held Luke's stare, then looked at Eamon standing off to the side. If one didn't really know Eamon, he looked intimidating at first glance. At six foot one with a gym-built frame and a few scars from the Atlanta projects, Eamon looked the part of a serious human that nobody wanted to fuck with. Luke could feel Richard Long deflating as he released the footrests on the recliner and sat upright. I don't know. I really don't know where your brother is. I'd tell you if I did, he said in a defeated tone. Well, let's start with what you do know. Where's Magnus? Luke asked. Who knows? He's rarely at the office, and when he is, he's followed around by a couple of paramilitary-looking men. I was told to tell anyone asking for him that he was on extended holiday. That's it. Richard Long said this and had the hopeful look of a kid on Santa Claus's lap, trying to gauge whether they were buying his story. Luke took out the blackjack from his pocket whipped it down hard, extending it to its full 18-inch length. The snap of the telescoping metal rod echoed through the house. I've had a really long day, Luke said, walking toward him. I just don't have time for this shit. Wait, wait, goddammit, wait, Long said, putting his hands up in submission. I'll tell you everything. Luke stopped, the blackjack still at his side, ready to crack an arm or a leg if need be. Long continued. Magnus took a call here the other day and discussed meeting someone named Glasser at one of the facilities. I don't know who he was talking to, but I'm assuming he was talking about your brother. That's the extent of what I know. Hell, I'm here under house arrest and I can't leave. I'm surprised you even made it here past the guards. House arrest? Guards? There are no guards. What the hell are you talking about, dick? Luke asked. Long licked his lips and tried to pull himself together. Magnus is planning something. Something big, apparently. He's trying to make a move up the ladder in the organization. A few weeks ago, I got curious and tried to find out. His security crew caught me looking through some of the files in his office. He fucking threatened to kill me, Long blurted out. You said something about a facility. 
Which one? Luke asked. I don't know, Long said with an exasperated whine. We maybe have ten of them spread out all over the country. I don't even know where half of them are. That's how in the dark they've kept me. I'm just window dressing. Someone they roll out in front of cameras for press releases. What did you mean about Magnus making a move in the organization? What the hell is that? The Greenleaf Company? Luke asked. Long looked at him in disbelief. You really don't know shit, do you? Luke looked at Eamon and took a deep breath. He was ready to break the fucker in half. No, Dick, I don't know shit. That's why I'm here. So what the hell are you talking about? And what is this organization you're talking about? Luke walked closer, his grip tightening around the blackjack. Stop, stop, calm down, Long said quickly. I don't know much about it myself, and I'm not actively involved, but I have a good idea. The organization is a white-collar mob, borderline legitimate with real players, businessmen instead of a bunch of goons running it. That's all I know, and believe me, I really don't want to know that. The organization may be real or just some urban legend. However, Magnus doesn't appear to be the one pulling the strings. He reports to someone or some group, and they aren't stockholders. Luke considered what he said for a moment, then moved on. You said you were looking through some files. Can you log into those files from your computer? Eamon interjected. No, Long said. They were hard copies. Magnus never keeps anything of consequence on his computer. Says that computers were designed to be hacked. The information I saw was in a folder in his desk file drawer. Eamon looked at Luke and then raised his eyebrows. You must have seen something in them before they caught you, Luke said. It wasn't anything I could make sense of, just a lot of biological references to viruses. It looked more like an academic paper than anything else, Long said. Viruses, Luke looked at Eamon. Before Eamon had a chance to speak, the large plate glass den window exploded behind them. They dove to the floor to take cover. The sound of bullets hitting drywall and picture frames reverberated off the marble as he and Eamon quickly crawled behind the couch in an effort to get out of the shooter's line of sight. God damn it, Luke said excitedly, frantically looking to make sure that Eamon was all right. Crouching low behind the couch, he drew a deep breath when the hail of bullets finally subsided. He poked his head around the couch to see where Long was. He looked at Eamon and shook his head in disbelief pointing to the chair in which Richard Long had been seated. Eamon took a quick look around the couch and cringed. Richard Long was slammed back into a reclining position, courtesy of a large-caliber bullet to the chest. Blood covered his shirt, and a sucking noise emanated from the large, jagged wound. His lips moved as if he were trying to say something. As Luke tried to make his way over to him, a final shot rang out, and Long's head snapped back a hole in his forehead, now clearly visible. We've got to get the fuck out of here, he whispered loudly to Eamon. You think? Eamon replied sarcastically, his eyes darting back and forth. Luke considered their predicament. They were screwed. They had no firearms and were in an apartment with one exit and God only knew how many shooters. He quickly ran through their options. He was fairly confident that at some point in the very near future, 
some very bad men would come through that door looking to clean up the remaining mess. He had to find an alternative exit. He whispered to Eamon, Crawl toward the hallway and keep close to the wall. There's got to be a bedroom down there and a window overlooking the back. Eamon nodded and started crawling. Luke looked back at Richard Long. It was the worst of all outcomes. Long was now dead for telling them practically nothing. House arrest, guards, and now a shooting gallery, Luke thought. This was much bigger than he was prepared for. They made it back to the hallway, stood up, and started edging toward the back bedroom when the front door flew open. He and Eamon ducked into the bathroom, backs against the wall. They heard the distinct sound of two different sets of footsteps, one guy checking out Richard Long and the other guy walking around the perimeter of the room. Other than the muted crunch of glass under their shoes, they operated silently, not saying a word. Luke assumed they were using hand signals. Shit, that's not good. These guys are trained, Luke thought. Luke scanned the bathroom in the dark and saw a beam of light flicker off the shower curtain in front of the vanity. The bathroom was a maze of mirrors, much like the rest of the house. He quickly slid past the tub to see from where the light emanated. From his new vantage point, he could see the entire hallway. Luckily, Richard Long's decorator had covered the entire wall at the end of the hallway with a mirror that reflected damn near everything. It was a virtual funhouse that could work to their advantage. It was dark inside the bathroom, and they were practically invisible. Luke signaled to Eamon that he could see down the hall, then gave Eamon his blackjack. He then motioned Eamon to get low to the ground, and then gestured with his hand, hoping that he'd understand Luke would give him a signal when someone was coming down the hall to crack the shit out of their knees with a blackjack. Eamon must have understood, because he nodded and gave a face like, Why me? Luke stepped into the bathtub and hid most of his body behind the shower curtain making sure that his hand was visible for Eamon to see a signal. They sat, scared shitless, and frozen for two minutes before anything happened. Sweat poured into Luke's eyes like a statue with a fountain. He saw one of the intruders pass the hall, then motioned to his partner to take the other side of the large apartment. The man looped his assault rifle behind his back and took out a pistol, hugging the hallway much like Luke and Eamon just had. The man passed the first doorway, which was a closet. It was evident by the way he held his gun and controlled his body. This wasn't his first rodeo. He was also dressed in black, which Luke figured was fashionable for killers. The man lingered for a moment and then began down the hall toward them. Luke held up one finger to Eamon as he stared at the mirror from behind the shower curtain. In his peripheral vision, he could see Eamon crouch low by the door, blackjack in hand. The gunman lifted his pistol by his ear in preparation to enter and clear the room. Luke watched his movements down the hall, and before the killer made his way through the doorway, he pointed to Eamon. Luke timed it perfectly. As soon as the gunman stepped through the doorway, Eamon slung the heavy blackjack with such ferocity that the gunman's shin snapped as he hit the ground. Before he was fully aware of what had happened, Eamon grabbed his taser from the floor and hit him with 50,000 volts. The gunman twitched a bit, eyes wide open and temporarily paralyzed, unable to scream. The cold sweat that had poured into Luke's eyes had all but dried. 
His adrenaline kicked in and time slowed down. He looked down the hallway. No sign of the gunman's partner. He quietly motioned for Eamon to strip the gunman of his rifle. Luke took his handgun. Still no signs of the partner. Shooting their way out was a low percentage play at this point. Luke knew they didn't have the skills. They could still possibly make it to the bedroom and get out, but who knew how many others like them would be waiting? Luke quickly decided the best plan was move to the bedroom more or less adjacent to the bathroom. The gunman they had put down was still laying half in the bath and half in the hallway. They pulled him quietly into the bathroom and stepped over him as they made their way to the other bedroom. They crouched low in the bedroom, both against the hall wall catching the reflection from the hallway mirror. Within 60 seconds, they heard the distinct sound of broken glass meeting a rubber-soled shoe and saw the gunman move down the hall in the same manner as the man before him. He cleared the hall closet first, then swung into the bathroom, nearly tripping over his partner. Before he could regain his balance, Luke stormed out of the bedroom screaming crazy gibberish, nothing more than a word salad, really, bringing the blackjack down squarely on the man's head. The gunman tumbled forward, his head hitting the side of the lavatory on the way down. The man convulsed as he lay on top of his partner. Holy shit, man, Eamon said in a loud whisper. That dude's dead. They heard a moan from underneath the dead guy. I think the other guy's starting to wake up. Let's get this bastard off of him, Luke said. They rolled the second gunman over as blood pulled around his head from a large gash near his temple. He was dead. They pulled the live one into the foyer. His eyes were wide open and he was aware of his surroundings, but still incapacitated from the taser and in pain from Eamon's blackjack. How long does that last? Luke asked, looking around, making sure they were alone. Ten to fifteen minutes normally, Eamon replied. Luke saw a pair of plastic zip ties hanging from the man's back pocket. Cuff him up with these. When he's able to talk, we can ask him a few questions. Are you crazy? Eamon quickly threw up his arms in annoyance and answered his own question. Yeah, of course you're freaking crazy. Look, he said, attempting to be reasonable. Somebody had to hurt all this shit. We gotta go. Yeah, I know, but we don't know how many more are out there, Luke shot back. The incapacitated shooter heard everything and quickly managed to spit out a few words that were somewhat incoherent. The basic gist was he was going to kill them and there were five more guys like him outside. Luke didn't know if it was his heightened intuition or if something else had clicked into place. But over the last 24 hours, his bullshit detector seemed much more accurate. He's full of shit. He and the other asshole are the only ones here, Luke said. I'll grab the other dude's plastic cuffs and you see if this guy's got any keys or phone on him, Luke ordered. Luke carefully took a look around the apartment, hoping his bullshit detector was indeed functioning. When he came back, Eamon cuffed the guy's hands behind his back, cuffed his ankles, then used another set of cuffs to hogtie him. They pulled him back into the bathroom, stuffed a washcloth in his mouth, and threw him in the tub for good measure. They grabbed the remaining rifle and pistol. We should keep these, right? Luke asked. Eamon shook his head in disbelief. Hell no. You're dangerous enough as it is without a gun. Besides, this is Canada. The last thing we need to do is be caught with guns that were used in the commission of a murder. Luke was disappointed, 
but he couldn't deny Eamon's logic. They took the clips out of the guns, wiped them down, and left them in the hallway. By the time they made it back to the Range Rover, they were shaking from adrenaline. Luke put the car in drive and zigzagged out of the neighborhood to see if anyone was following him. When he was confident they weren't being followed, he pulled into a parking garage a few miles away, reclined the seat back, and took a series of deep breaths, trying to collect himself. Bosco licked his face. 